What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Best case, worst case, part four. We got Minnesota and Maryland. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, especially since it seems like college football continues to explode or implode or however you want to describe what's going on. Conference realignment, probably some more playoff expansion or changes or something, right? We can't have the pack four having an automatic bid now, can we? So if you like the podcast, if you like analysis and just a conversation about college football, particularly about the Big Ten or the Big 18 or whatever you want to call this conference now, make sure you follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, leave a review, Leave that feedback. Make sure to follow us at Instagram and Twitter. Big Ten Football Talk is the handle. If you want to send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Let's get to Minnesota first. There's a couple things about Minnesota that I think should give people pause as you think about the upcoming schedule uh, the upcoming season for them. First is the schedule. It's a brutal schedule. They play Nebraska at home to open the season. That could be hard. It may not be that hard. We're not, we're not really sure what to make of Nebraska. But then, you know, things get tough after uh, what should be a win against Eastern Michigan. But then they go to North Carolina. Then they, they go to Northwestern. That should be a win. We're not sure. You know, it depends, again, does Northwestern circle the wagons or not? But then you get, you know, Louisiana, who's not, they're not a great team, but they're not a bad group of five team. Um, And we've seen Minnesota struggle with group of five teams in the past. You know, Bowling Green back in 2021, right? And then they play Michigan. And they go to Iowa. Now, that's after a bye, but it's still at Iowa. And they draw Michigan State, who's... You know, Michigan State's not going to be a top 10 team this year, most most likely. But they're also not Rutgers or Indiana. No offense to those two, two teams, but Michigan State can come up and bite you. And then there's, there's Illinois. They get Illinois at home, but Illinois is coming off a bye. And then they have to go to Purdue, which, again, might be winnable. But then you go to Ohio State and you finish with Wisconsin. So if you're keeping score at home, their road games are at North Carolina, who, by the way, was 9-5 and five last year and kept it close with a, pr- a pretty decent Oregon team. You know, one of, the, one of the traditional Big Ten members, right? And then they have a road game at Iowa. They have a road game at Ohio State. And by the way, you know, Purdue is known for upsets in their house, Right? So even though Purdue is probably not going to be very good this year, 
I just don't want to play at Purdue. Similar, I don't want to play at Iowa. And then you get Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan at home. Like, it's not a great schedule. The, the non-conference is hard. They get two of maybe the three or four best teams in the country from the East Division. And then Michigan State as well. So it's a brutal schedule. Phil Steele ranks it the seventh hardest schedule in FBS. That's that's seven out of I think 132. That's that's significant. So that's the first thing you got to think about. The second thing you got to think about is they lose some key guys, right? So what do you think about with Minnesota right now? The running game. Well, Mo Ibrahim's not walking back through that door. Trey Potts is now a back at Penn State. And, you know, you've got some guys there, right? Sean Tyler transfers in from Western Michigan. You have Zach Evans, uh, who's a highly touted guy. Uh, You have uh, some other guys coming in as well that they seem high on. Sean, uh, There's a lot to like from that position, but right now you don't know what you have necessarily. Sean Tyler might be really, really good. But he's coming from a Mac school all the way to the Big Ten. The Big Ten defenses are a little tougher than the defenses in the Mac. Just, just you know, that should be obvious, right? Uh, they're high on Kalia Kamanis. I, I will never say his name right. I, I'm just Minnesota fans. Bear with me. I'm sorry. But they're high on him. I think his, his upside might be better than Tanner Morgan, who was seasoned. But, you know, he's a gamer, but he wasn't, you know, the most physically inclined or athletically inclined guy. They think uh, Kalia Kamanis could be, I think, take a step above that or a few steps above that. But there were times last season where he really did look lost. So you have questions at cornerback. I think the wide receiver room gets a little bit better. You know, Ottman Bell, you know, he might be the fourth or fifth fifth best receiver uh, in, a, in a room that uh, gets Corey Crooms from Western Michigan, who they're very high on. Daniel Jackson comes back. He's uh, their leading receiver last year. Uh, Brivin Spanford, one of the best tight ends in the country. So, you know, you've got good playmakers and you have some high hopes for the quarterback. But that offensive line, that offensive line really concerns me because they lost the anchor of that line in John Michael Schmitz. First team All-American, uh, second round draft pick, uh, went to the Giants, I believe. And that's that's a tough... It, it's And it's not just him. It's Feliga left, Axel Rushmeyer left, guys who started multiple seasons, started all of last year, and so you've lost three guys who were your you know stalwarts and you really don't have many guys with starting experience on this on this team right so Nathan Bow has one start and he played eight games like 3 years ago um but that start was at right guard um he did he did have a a, a start at center last year but again, not a lot of experience. Quinn Carroll comes in. Uh, well, he came in last year. Honorable 
mentioned Big Ten last year. You know, so he's your anchor, but he's your right guard, right? Uh, Martez Lewis at left guard. He's a big guy, 6'7", 330 pounds. Um, played in 13 games last year. I don't think he had a start, though. Uh, J.J. Gadette, again, played in a few games uh, here and there, both in 21 and 22. And then uh, Arise, the sophomore left tackle, who I think they're they're really high on. Um, he was honorable mention Big Ten, 13 starts last year. So you've got you've got two guys who you know are your are your anchors on that line, left tackle and the right guard. But none of them are Schmitz, and unless if one of them takes a massive leap forward, there's a lot of question marks on this line. And so how is the line going to do it protecting? How's the line going to do it at opening up holes? Um, you know, the defense, I, I think there's there's hope that the defense will get a little bit better. I think they're, they're high on their defensive line, that they'll be able to get more push up front. Um, their linebackers, they lose a lot of guys, but they added, again, another transfer from Western Michigan. A lot of transfers from Western Michigan. Um, you have to think that PJ Flex, you know, former connections there has at least something to do with that, right? Um, Ryan Seelig comes over from Western Michigan. He had 23 starts there, but again, the MAC is different from the Big Ten, right? It's it's a very significant difference. Um, I I think the defensive backs are going to struggle. They lost a couple of draft picks from the secondary, so this is a team that both doesn't like they're they're losing their best players from last year. You have question marks at quarterback. You have question marks on the offensive line. And while the defensive line is probably going to be a little better, your back 7 is probably a bit worse and you're going to play some teams that have some explosiveness, right? Like you're you're going to play some good quarterbacks. You're going to play teams that can air it out, right? Michigan with J.J. McCarthy. Uh, North Carolina's got Drake May. Drake May is going to be a first-round draft pick, most likely. Probably a top-10 draft pick. Maybe the number two quarterback, maybe even the number one quarterback, although I think Caleb Williams, unless he completely implodes this year, I think he's the number one pick. But Drake May is not too far behind. You're going to play a good option at, at Ohio State, whether it's Comacord or Devin Brown or, you know, one of those guys is going to emerge. You got Hudson Card at Purdue, right? Like you, you, you are going to have to face good quarterback play and explosive receivers on this schedule. And you're doing it with, I wouldn't say a compromised back seven, but a not as good back seven and the reality is their schedule last year compared to this year, it's night and day different, right? Wisconsin and Iowa are better. They have to play Ohio State and Michigan, right? They, I believe they did not have to play either of them last year, right? They played at Penn State. They got crushed. They, they did play, play Michigan State and drubbed them. But you're, you're replacing uh, Penn State and Rutgers with Ohio State and Michigan, you're replacing Colorado with North Carolina, and you're replacing 
New Mexico State with Louisiana. Louisiana's, again, New Mexico State's awful. And so that, even that upgrade is, is, you know, is a little more challenging. And so it's not just who they lost. It's not just the personnel. The schedule is awful for the Gophers. And, and that's not even accounting for the fact that I think Iowa and Wisconsin are going to be a lot better, right? They lost to Iowa by three last year. They beat Wisconsin by a touchdown. And those were teams that were not nearly as good as I think they'll be this year. So what does this look like for the Gophers? What's the wor- Well, the worst case, I think, is actually really bad. <laughs> if I'm just being honest, I think Nebraska is losable. Eastern Michigan, they should win. But at North Carolina, that, that's a tough ask, right? North Carolina, 9-5 and five last year. They're a pretty good ACC team. So 1-2, and two, and then, you know, at Northwestern should be winnable. But there's always those games that P.J. Fleck loses where you just scratch your head. And so I think, I think, they, could, I think they could drop one of either Northwestern or Louisiana. So that, that puts them at two and three going into Michigan. They're not beating Michigan. Even in the best case, they're not beating Michigan. They don't have the personnel to do it. By week at Iowa, two and five. Michigan State, I think between Michigan State, Illinois, and at Purdue, I think they get, even in the worst case, I think they get two of them. I don't think they lose all those, but they're at four and six at that point. They're not beating Ohio State, four and seven, and I don't think they're beating Wisconsin. So that puts them at four and eight. Listen, I wouldn't pick that, but I just want to, I want Gopher fans to understand this is a tough ask for the Gophers. They've had a a lot of really good seasons since 2019. Um, I think actually since uh, 2018, they've won four straight bowl games. They've beaten some really good uh, opponents, power five teams. They beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl in 2019, or yeah, the 2019 season. So, I mean, they, they've had good good teams, but you also, also realized they've really benefited from missing the high-level teams most of those seasons. And last year was their time to win the West, and they blew it. If I'm being honest, Iowa was down, Wisconsin was down. They had every opportunity to win that that division, and they blew it. They're not winning the division this year. Um, let's talk about best case because I just told you they're not winning the division. I I don't think even in the best case, I think it's the fact that you have Ohio State, and Michigan in your division or in your schedule makes it nearly impossible. They're that good. Just the depth, the the talent, they're that good. So best case, what's the best case? Well, I think they beat Nebraska. They beat Eastern Michigan. I think, I think they can get North Carolina on the road. I really do. I, I think, I don't think they will. But North Carolina lost their best receiver in downs. And so you need to have athletic receivers. And I'm, I think North Carolina does have good receivers. 
but they're not going to be the firepower that they'll see even with Michigan and with Ohio State. Um, so I think they can get North Carolina. I think they, they can upset them on the road by, by a field goal or by a touchdown. At Northwestern, they can beat, they can win. I think they could be 5-0 and going into Michigan and probably ranked in the top 25. Probably ranked in the top 50, uh, top 20 at that point. North, uh, depending on how, how good North Carolina is, they, they could be in the top 15 maybe. But then they, I think they get beat by Michigan. I think they competitive game, right? Because P.J. Fleck, row the boat, right? Bye week. Going into Iowa, Cade McNamara is not as sharp. He's at, he's he plays like he did his second year at Michigan, where he just isn't as sharp. He's he's just not hitting as well. Has a really bad game, and Minnesota upsets Iowa, and then they they can rattle off wins against Michigan State and Illinois because the strength of the running game at Purdue. I I do think. As I sit here thinking about this, I think I don't think they're good enough to get through the stretch before Ohio State undefeated. Like you got at Iowa, Michigan State, Illinois, Purdue at Purdue. Again, I think the offensive line that that lack of depth there, the lack of depth in the back seven, I think it gets them at one of them. So, but going into Ohio State, I think best case is two losses. So they're eight and two, but then they finish with two losses at Ohio State and, and home with against Wisconsin. I, I think Wisconsin is I, I've said this several times. I think Wisconsin's a borderline top ten team this year. I really do. I think they're really, really good. Um I, I think they are still a, a notch below the top three in the East, but I think Wisconsin is really, really good. So uh, let me take a break, and then we're going to go to Maryland. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We're talking Terps, the Fighting Turtles, Maryland. What is their best case, worst case scenario here? Well, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's very different from how I view Minnesota, right? Minnesota is in the middle of the pack in the West, kind of projected by a lot of people to be right in that middle and I'm 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 pretty low I'm lower on them than I I thought I would be uh, but I just there's a lot of question marks I think with Maryland it's a little different I, I think last year there was a lot of optimism and I think this year there's there's a lot of optimism and it starts with a veteran quarterback Talia Tengavailoa it's I think he it seems like he's been there forever. I thought he played well last year. You know, he's second team all Big 10. Just a, I think he's really grown at that position as limited the dumb mistakes can deliver the ball. You know, they dealt with a lot of injuries with receivers, you know, Dante Dimas I don't think ever got back to be himself. Um you know, but you look at their their personnel. Roman Hemby comes back at running back. You know, he thirteen starts, almost a thousand yards. He's honorable mention Big Ten. I think he's gonna have a really good year this year. Good, good running back. Um, 
their wide receiving core, despite losing a lot of people, you know, Deshaun Jones, uh, I think, could be a real playmaker for them. He's a senior. Tyrese Chambers, he comes over from Florida Florida International University, uh, had, had 1,600 yards in the last two years that he was there. Caden Prather comes over from West Virginia. So a lot of transfers, but they're very high on this group. They think they could be not just kind of productive. They think they could be a lot more productive. Really high on Corey, you know, Dykus is a junior at tight end. You know, he played 13 games uh, in 2021, had three starts last year, was honorable, honorable mention Big Ten last year with close to 500 receiving yards. Um, the line again, the offensive line is a bit of a work in progress. So, you know, they, they lost a couple guys who were late round draft picks, but they add a lot of transfers and it, with those transfers, they add a lot of depth. You know, Marcus Dumerville comes over from LSU, um, Eric Harris, uh, you have a number of these guys. The the one that really intrigues me, Godlieb Ayedeze, was an All American at Frostburg State, and he he was actually uh, Phil Steele notes this. He was a Senior Bowl invite last year, but passed it up to come and play uh, one more season in major college football. So you've got a lot of depth. Uh, you've got. You know, Eric Harris played a few games last year for Maryland. So they've got they've got some experience, but just not not a lot of starting experience, right? Like Dumerville, he has one start from LSU. He's not even projected to be a starter. But they they do seem high on that group. You know, so if they can gel, I think they're excited about that. Again, the defensive line also a question mark, but they're really they're intrigued by the potential that they could bring in terms of a pass rush. Mike Loxley thinks that they won't have to bring as much pressure with linebackers. And if that's the case, that could really do some do some damage to the teams that they face. And remember, they really battled close with several of the top teams in the East last year. Right? You know, they, they went down to the wire with Ohio State. You know, they went down to the wire with Michigan. You know, they in a lot of ways, they went 8-5 and five last year, but most of their losses were one-score games. You know, they lost to Michigan by a touchdown, Purdue by two points. You know, they lost to Wisconsin by 13, got drubbed by 10, Penn State. So those are your two, two games that they lost by – double digits and then Ohio State they lost by 13 but really it was a it was a backdoor cover it was 30 to 36 there's three games on that schedule that that could have gone a different way two of them were playoff teams so that gives you a sense of where Maryland is and then they they beat NC State in the bowl game you know went eight and five that easily could have been 10 and three or actually, no, they easily could have been eleven and two, right? So, no, they had they would have had to play perfect games, right? Like Ohio State, Michigan, they didn't play good games, and Maryland, 
trailed in both of those games for most of the time. But if they play their A game when Ohio State and Michigan play their C game, yeah, they can get them. They proved that they can hang with both of those teams. So, you know, again, the the back seven, there are holes there. But I think they feel good, even with the losses of Ja'Korian Bennett and Deontay Banks, both draft picks, Deontay Banks, you know, high draft pick for the Giants, right? They feel good that Jaquan Shepard comes in from Cincinnati, first team All-American uh, Athletic. I was about to say first team All-American Conference. I'm like, that's not it. American Athletic Conference. It had 12 starts for them. They like their safeties. So I, I think they feel really, really good, and they feel good about their special teams. Um, even though they lose Ryland, they're, they're excited about having Spangler back as their punter. So they, they're, they're excited about, I think, their, their potential. And again, I think a reasonable expectation is eight or nine wins and, and maybe a breakthrough against one of the big boys. Like, I really think that. You know, and, and Phil Steele mentions that in his magazine. I, I think that is very much on the table. So what is the worst case, best case? Let's, again, as we always do, worst case first. I think Townsend, Charlotte, and Virginia, I, I think they go 3-0 and regardless. You go to Michigan State. Michigan State has a better start than you expect. The transfers hit this year, and they lose that game. And then they have the bonehead loss against Indiana, and then they get crushed by Ohio State. And so they start out 3-3. Three and three, Where they recover a little bit against a depleted Illinois team, and they, they're 4-3 and three going into the break. They beat Northwestern 5-3, and three, but then the wheels kind of come off. Penn State at Nebraska, Michigan at Rutgers, they, all, they lose all four of them. And I know you're thinking, how do you beat Illinois but lose to Rutgers and Indiana? Remember... Mike Loxley, and, and this is my this is my prime, my biggest knock on Lox. He is inconsistent as an X's and O's guy. And he, and not only he has been inconsistent, but Talia has been inconsistent. Even as he's matured, he has been inconsistent. And so do I think Rutgers is better? Do I think Nebraska is better? Do you know do I do I think that Indiana is better? Do I think Michigan State's better? No, 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 no. But, again, this is a worst-case scenario. I think the worst-case scenario is they miss a bowl game. And they go 5-7. and seven. And I, I think the way it happens is the wheels fall off. November 4th against Penn State, they have a shot to kind of get get back into the into the hunt to kind of make a name for themselves. Instead, they get blown out. And then Nebraska happens. And it, it, everything just falls, falls apart. I think that's on the table. I'm not going to pick that. So that's, that's the reality, right? You're good enough that you should expect to make a, that a, bowl, ga- a bowl game and solely a bowl game is a disappointment. But, like, let's not forget Maryland could really still have one of those seasons where you're like, how did this thing fall apart? What's the best case scenario? I think that's what everybody is, is asking. What's the best case scenario? 
Uh, I think they're five and zero heading into Ohio State. Ohio State's heading on, uh, is is on a bye, and I think I could see that being an upset. And here's why. Ohio State off a bye is not always a good thing. They have young tackles. They have a young quarterback. And Maryland thinks they have an improved pass rush. And they have confidence. Because they hung with them all year last year. And they get a young quarterback rattled with good safety play. And they upset Ohio State in Columbus. And then they beat Illinois the next week. So they're 7-0. They're ranked in the top 15. Maybe creeping into the top 10. At Northwestern. Win. Sets up a top 10 matchup against Penn State. Where they get beat. And beat probably by two scores. But it's tough. It's close. They go to Nebraska. They they win that. Michigan at home. And they lose. Because Michigan too t- is too strong. But then they get Rutgers. They beat Rutgers on the road. And they get to 10-2. and two. They get to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Where they have a, com- a competitive game against another Power 5 at large, and they win, sending Talia Tungavailoa out in a blaze of glory. And it sparks Maryland recruiting. I really think that could happen. And, and listen, I think Maryland can get one of the big boys. I think Ohio State might be the most likely, but... I don't think Penn State or Michigan are off the table. Be, and here's my reasoning for that. I think all three are really, really, really good. Like, I think all three of them, I, I think there is the, the slightest chance that all three could make the playoff. I know that's that's almost impossible, but hear me out. They all split with each other and don't lose to anybody else. I, I think you, you could ha- make a strong argument that if that happens, those three might be three of the four best teams. But you get one of them on a bad day. I think Maryland has enough to knock one of them off. So I, I think Ohio State earlier in the season – off a bye actually makes the most sense. But I I, I can see Penn State, you know, Penn, they get Penn State and Michigan at home, right? Ohio State doesn't have the greatest home field advantage. Um, so I, I can also see, and this is just the reality, every time Maryland has played Ohio State at home, Ohio State has killed them. So please don't hear me saying they could get Ohio State as a prophecy that they will beat Ohio State. 
I, I think it's just as likely. I, I don't think an upset is likely at Ohio State. But I again, I think it's possible. And I think if you get Ohio State or either any of those three teams on a bad day in the middle of a season, Maryland can get them. I think Terps, Terp fans should be really excited this season. I really do. I think it could be a really, really great season for them, despite the fact that they have one of the toughest divisions in college football. Uh, I I would not be shocked. I I would be more shocked by five and seven than I would ten and two. I think ten and two is very realistic. I, I maybe realistic is the wrong word. I think it's very possible. I my guess is nine and three. I think they get I I would almost bank on nine and three where they just they don't get Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Or they get one of those three, but then they lose a dumb one. So those are my thoughts on Maryland. Again, thanks for listening. Uh just a, a side note, you guys are amazing. And I feel very blessed to get to share this podcast. You know, I've had some good interaction. Uh from several fans uh, on the the podcast about the expansion news and everything, and you know, some of you disagreed with my takes, and that's really okay. I I am just I feel very very grateful that somebody on the internet would would indulge my thoughts about college football. I um, it's yeah, it's just amazing. I, I praise God for it. So. It's a it's a fun hobby, and I really am thankful for you guys. So uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate you all. Take care. God bless.